All right, guys, welcome back to the Fitness in Philosophy podcast. Today is episode 50. Da, da, da. What is the, uh, what's the rock or material item that, that, that signifies 50? Gold? Is I thought gold? it was gold. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up right now. Well, let's find that because we can call this the golden episode. The golden age, the golden era. The golden boys. I don't know why I just thought of Oath Keepers when I heard Golden Boys. Is there? Oh, I was thinking Proud Boys. That's right. Oh, we got to be careful. Boys for Golden Boys. Gold. Yeah, it's gold. For first place, Robbie. Congratulations. If I can take a second. Um, oh, I'd like to thank uh, my parents. Um, I want to thank... Uh, yeah, I want to thank the sun. Sun has been a real big part of this uh, whole thing. Um, and while I got the stage here, uh, free Julian Assange. I'm out. Peace. Drop the mic. Done. <laughs> congratulations, fifty. Yeah, wow. congratulations. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, and and it's reward and fitness of all things. You know, We're, this is the reward. Yeah. Nice tie-in. I like yeah. how you done that. So yeah, I mean, we uh, we started this right as as like right as COVID was uh, was hitting. Um, I think we mentioned it before, but yeah, you were driving back from I think San Diego with your family, like right after the NCAA shutdown, and uh... it was like a dead man walking atmosphere. We thought we'd see like zombies out in the desert as we're driving driving back. You know, you can imagine us huddled in a car because we thought that a plane would be a cesspool, right? For for disease yeah. And death. Yeah, and then everyone thought, oh yeah, two weeks of a shutdown and no big deal. No big deal. And then clean it, the I stuff don't... coming to your door. Stay inside. You know, get sunshine. Don't participate yeah. in kissing your significant other. No, keep so everyone long. six feet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like you like you said uh, via email, reward the pacer. Here we are. Fifty episodes. Stay patient, later. folks. This yes. this episode is an example of that where you got to stay patient, and uh, you got to stick with it. And uh, it's worthwhile. Yeah, initially when I uh, when we messaged back and forth about doing it, I mean, I had I had a you know I'd, I'd say I had about a season's worth of topic ideas, but man, the more I keep at it, then the more like I think you know we were talking about this at the summit when you were giving your talk and other people were giving their talks. I've you know I've got another fifty in the tank in terms of That's ideas great. and uh, yeah. There's obviously stuff that's culturally relevant that we've been talking about, like misinformation and disinformation and effective altruism and a whole bunch yeah. of really cool, interesting things. So it's it's interesting how many uh, connections there really are to kind of the broader culture and society and philosophical ideas. So, yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's made me realize in that um, how philosophy is intertwined with so much. You know, that it, it's probably impossible now that we get into the weeds that will ever uh, extinguish the connectors between philosophy and fitness. Yeah, no, it's really, it's, it's, it's quite interesting how uh, many connections there are. Um, speaking of which the, uh, the philosopher King himself, the liver King. Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Why didn't he call I, himself the testes King? Yeah. 
That's what I mean. Well, he could just change now, right? Why not just shift gears? One of his big old taglines was why eat vegetables when you can eat testicles. That that was like almost every video. That no, was... I was just thinking, just choose a different organ. Yeah. You know? Like um pancreas king. Yeah. Right? Maybe we should start that. Yeah. I mean, now that the liver king is gone, yeah. Pancreas king. <laughs> Spleen king. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle, Bill Burr. Yeah, they're the spleen kings. <laughs> That's what we call them. Um, yeah. I'd like to take on the adrenal king naming, if I may. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the public wouldn't know what the adrenals do. Yeah. So that kind of be cool. Well, you've got to sell desiccated adrenals. In, oh, uh... yeah, that's easy. I still have tons of that, actually, probably still in storage up in Calgary. That yeah. I didn't sell because I used to make my own adrenal extract supplements. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. Max Adrenal was what it was called. Um, anyways, I uh I can I can take that one on if you're if you're okay with it. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, That's I'm the adrenal king from here forward. If the TikTok account for Adrenal King has not been taken, you should take it today. Yeah. RG and the Adrenal King. That's the uh you then sound like a rapper. Yeah. RG is in the house with the Adrenal King. The Adrenal King. Henceforth. I'm going to hold up CrossFit in my hand on my Instagram posts. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like he used to hold up testicles, right? Yeah. I'm just going to hold up CrossFit. Yeah. The entirety of it. For adrenaline and cortisol. You want yeah. some of this? Come and get it. This is how you, this is how you look like this. I'm actually 75, but this is actually how you remain looking like 48. And then one day someone will find out about your secret adrenal stack. <laughs> hoarding, <laughs> hoarding it. Hey man, I've been, I've been, I've been shooting the cortisol. I've been shooting, you know. Yeah. I've been like doing the intense stuff, man. I just can't get enough of it. <laughs> Oh man, and funny that we did the. Uh... And I'll call my book the Sensorium, just to make it sound like I know I know I, I'm like I'm a thinker or like a smart smart person. A good name. Yeah. It's funny that we did the episode on misinformation and disinformation a couple episodes ago in relation in, in fitness in relation. Hey man, to... that that uh, those words I never knew how much those are misused. Ironically. Oh, yeah. I didn't either. Until, you know, we went through that. And then I leave and I listen to it all the time, especially with regards to Trump, you know, you know, elections, et cetera. And my gosh, you know, I just kept thinking back, like, couldn't they have used this word instead? You know, <laughs> it's like, gosh, because in some cases it was a mistake of the information that they sent forward. Right. Yeah. Uh, whereas others had intentions of changing it. And that's, a, that's the difference, you know, that's a different conversation. Anyways, I appreciated that. Thanks for the reminder of that episode. Hope yeah. others do too. You can write in. We have a, we have an email. Yeah. Philosophy at gmail.com. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Um, yeah. If you have any topics, questions, or comments. Um, we also have. T-shirts. Yeah. On tpublic.com. Uh, and I'll put a link in the uh, show notes. 
you guys uh, have equal disdain for pickleball and e-bikes, you can. And even if you don't, you'll learn to cultivate that disdain <laughs> as you're wearing the t-shirt. I like that. I was pausing. Even if you don't, <laughs> then you will learn <laughs> to disdain. <laughs> what I do want actually is another t-shirt idea. I'm sure there's something that we have talked about or discussed. They're like, hey, you pick on these two. Why not go? Why not go as far as that? So I I I, I think we have one. I've been trying to just think of a design and it's not um, it's not necessarily knocking anything. So maybe maybe we uh, it's a different mode, but I, I like the free thinker free uh, mover. I like that one. I've just been trying to think of like a good good design for that. Maybe. Maybe we should not uh, take the the lens of a uh, of a um, of a satir satirical view with that one. Maybe that one should be just like, yeah, like what it says. Yeah, you know. Or I mean, there's the famous term "philosopher king" that comes from uh, Plato, and we just have a picture of the liver king. We could do that. Yeah, that would be timely. But then in a year's time, I got to throw oh, it away. Yeah, no one's going to know because it'll be all Adrenal King at that point. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have your own crypto exchange, James, as soon as you, uh, yeah. you start TikTok and you uh, start selling Adrenal supplements. Yeah. I love the new names for them. Uh, Dogecoin and something coin. Um I got to come up with like a cool name for it that ends in coin. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think, but I'm sure there's something from folly coin, folly coin, mm. which is, is, is fitting in on multiple levels. Yeah, because it's meta level. Right. Yeah. And wasn't Dogecoin like originally like a joke. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and then the last thing guys. Uh, yeah. If you, uh, you like our show. Give us a review. Tell a friend. Spread the yeah. word. Yeah. Yeah, share it. There's a there's like the three little dots if you're listening on your phone, right? Yeah. If you're looking at the podcast, just go to those three little dots right now. You know, and on the thing, this the the phone will tell you. The phone gives you the, like all these little options and where it says share. You just hit the share thing with your finger. And then it just opens up this like pathway. It's amazing what the phone will do. Yeah. You can put in like an email, you can put in your Slack channel to someone, text, just share it. The wormhole to another dimension just goes yep. directly to the, the next person. Yep. All right. So today we're going to talk about reward and philosophy. So and reward and fitness. So last time we talked about punishment and uh and fitness. Um now we've we've you know we've talked about these issues to a certain extent before we did a pleasure and fitness episode uh and those you know they are connected to a certain extent but obviously reward can go beyond pleasure and you know as we'll talk about there's you know points and prizes yeah pleasure yeah pleasure is kind of think i think of uh sensing and yeah. reward is almost like an outcome of things that are gathered relative to what you did right and there's like a cultural and like a there's like a cultural and social reality aspect to it. So 
thinking of the definition of reward, you know, um, you could think about it in a few ways. So a consequence that happens to someone as a result of a behavior, uh, money offered or given for a special service, and then a satisfying return on investment. Um, so typically it's, it's that first one, I would say that yeah, when the outcomes, yeah, of behavior. So just like punishment, the notion of reward is directly tied with what we should do or should not do. So, you know, take an example, uh, sometimes, uh, if you return something, let's say it's someone's wallet or something else that was missing, you could receive a reward for that. Um, there's the marshmallow experiment, the famous one, I forget exactly where that was done, but where they ask kids, Hey, if you hold off on eating this one marshmallow, you get two marshmallows in 10 minutes or whatever the, whatever the nature of the experiment was. Yeah. And of the, and then of course the ones that waited for, to, they track the kids and they connected and they, emotional intelligence and et cetera later on in life. Yeah. Right. The ones that yeah. held out on it, held off on the reward, uh, looked like they had significantly different scores in emotional uh, yeah. intelligence. Yeah. And they were already dead inside. You know, their dopamine stuff was already, they didn't have to wait till adulthood. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Interesting point. If that was done today, it makes me think about if that same study was done today in a different way, you know like 10 million yeah, a kid would be like well i can come up with an nft that's a marshmallow and get the same feeling on my phone you know it's like yeah. oh <laughs> yeah yeah actually brandon and i were talking about that yesterday with regard to uh kids and like um youtube shorts and tiktoks and stuff like that in, in terms of like like even an episode of television or like a movie like if the payoff isn't within like the first like 30 seconds like next next yeah. next it's this notion of uh, the reward needs to come quickly. Um, so it's tied with the notion of what we deserve and what we do not deserve and uh, the notion of, of fairness and, and justice. Um, you know, I think deep in all of us, there's this notion of like, we, we've all experienced it, right? Where the world in a number of ways can be very unjust. The, uh, you know, the wicked, so-called from kind of, you know, the religious scene, the wicked prosper and the righteous uh suffer so you know as much as we can as a society and you know to the extent we have control over it, trying to balance those two out uh, when possible um there are different excuse me there are different contexts for rewards so you know there's kind of the personal realm like a high five going out for ice cream after a good game uh there's the moral reward like you being a good person you um leading your life according to the values that you hold most dear and important. Um, and then sometimes there's, you know, societal recognition, whether it's, you know, a Grammy or the Nobel Peace Prize or Medal of Honor. Um, you know, Grammy, of course, doesn't really have anything to do with morality, but it has to do with like within one's craft, one has attained a, a certain level of, of recognition and uh, importance. Uh, there are different types of reward. Uh, obviously, the most, you know, uh, it can obviously be money. Um, but when we think of the ones that mm, kind of hold the most, I guess, societal cachet or um, are the most honorary, it, te it tends to be things like recognition or, or trophies or, again, a Medal of Honor, Nobel Peace Prize, Stuff like that. Things like time off from work and monetary stuff, you know, they're they're cool and helpful. But, you know, when we think of, I think, typically highest order ones, um, 
I'm trying to think of the one that um, the president bestows on a certain Medal of Freedom, I want to say. The Order? Oh, yeah, no, that's called the Order of Canada in Canada. It's a, yeah. Yeah, I want to say something like that. I think Obama gave it to Biden. Um, I don't think of who else, but yeah, I mean, something on the, you know, whatever realm you want to talk about, those types of things, Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah, um, I, are we gonna? I didn't look at the notes for. Are we will we discuss uh, in some uh, small way, shape, or form the Skinner's movement or BF Skinner's uh, stuff on that, or the ba- the base uh, baseline investigations into reward and reward and psychology. Uh, we certainly can. You mean you mean like behaviorism and, and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wrote down Sapolsky and Skinner. Those are two like interesting lines of looking at. You know, to your point there of, uh, you know, what are examples of some rewards that it's, you know, it could be, you know, you probably want to say, well, who who is this individual that we're talking about? You know, make it individualized because as an example, you know, a reward is perceived differently for an eight-year-old, you know, than a, than a 26-year-old. Back to your point on money, right? Like eight-year-old yeah. doesn't know maybe the value of a dollar. Um so yeah, yeah, I just thought about uh the things that are probably in place for each of us and the listeners. Just remember that we're all, you know, we all perceive rewards differently and um keep thinking as we go through this of what I'd like to what I'd like to be a mainstay within it is to keep thinking about the behaviors that become connected to the reward process. Right. Yeah. Cause then we can, you know, you can, you know, uh, circle back and then say, Oh, interesting. Like that's why I was doing all those things because of this reward that I was getting. And then it'll make you say, well, may- maybe the reward wasn't the best way of getting me to do those things. That's what I wanted to connect here to the fitness thing. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah. So two big ones I had in there were kind of the neurology dopamine one. And then the, um, the McIntyre intrinsic versus extrinsic rewards. And like, yeah, I think that definitely has a huge. Okay. Yeah. So, super. Yeah, absolutely. Super. Yeah. Um, you know, one question we asked with regard to punishment that I think is relevant with respect to, um, reward as well is like, why do we bother rewarding people when the act has already been committed? Right. Like why, why even bother doing that? Well, mm. part of it's for recognition, just like we were saying for punishment, it's not necessarily as encouragement or discouragement of future action. It's, you know, just, is this act worthy of, of this, you know, recognition, uh, motivation for the person, person doing it again to do it in the future. And then at a societal level, to encourage others. Um, there, there is this aspect of things and it, you know, it obviously, you know, James, as you and I have discussed it, it certainly can be nefarious when, um, something is held up as the pinnacle of what one should do. Right. Uh, I mean, just to take something from our own wheelhouse, uh, CrossFit at a certain point in their development really had to kind of, um, you know, they kind of struggled at a, at a movement level with this, like the games are the pinnacle, but we, we, you know, teach health and longevity. And, you know, for a long time, those two were connected. And then I think it was like mm, mid to mid 2010, something like that. They kind of like started to 
try to peel in the other direction and yeah. um, say, oh, well, you know. So uh, there are obviously ways in which that reward at the societal level can be um, nefarious or problematic, but there are ways in which it can be um, inspiring and yeah. um, something to shoot for. Yeah, like I say, reward. Yeah, I say, you know, deter, deter CrossFit, but reward the pacer, right? Or deter intensity and unconsciousness, but reward, you know, consistency or deter sensationalism and reward, um, you know, effort. Yeah, that's it. That's how I kind of split the two between punishment and reward, uh, especially with regards to fitness, you know. Um, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I have a little bit on this later, but I actually, you just saying that just made me think of something even more important, I think, in, in the realm of like nutrition and fitness that I think that was a really good point. Like, you know, this whole notion that I think probably a lot of coaches out there who are listening are familiar with. And if they're not, it's good to bear in mind, um, you know, this notion of rewarding the habit versus the outcome. Mm-hmm. Like, um, reward consistent grocery shopping times throughout the week and consistent meal times rather than like the weight being lost because at a certain point there will be no more weight to lose. Right. Uh, that will, that will peter out, but like the habit of consistently cooking your own meals and having consistent meal times and consistent grocery shopping times is something you can, you know, consistently do. Yeah. I, I, uh, have, have, uh, transcended that into, reward because i i just saw a lot within the habit formation stuff especially it was almost like you know listening to people discuss atomic habits and say oh do you guys read this book you know and being so excited about it um it's almost it's almost like the same thing i saw with matthew walker's sleep book and people like oh do you read this book sleep is so important it's the same thing i saw with habits where if i went back on my language and i i never really rewarded uh, the habits of people, I rewarded their awareness and I awarded, rewarded their learning. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it, it transcended just the habits themselves, regardless, right? We we all agree. And I do agree that these habits put in place, you know, it could certainly lead to these, well, an incremental normalcy, right? Or an incremental uh, better expression, incremental better adaptation over time. But I used to, I used to back up and say, well, I want you to, regardless of the outcome and regardless actually of the habit, I want you to, to be, want you to be rewarded for your awareness in those things, the awareness in your choices, the, the, what you've learned from that, like our, what, what did you download from that? That's you've recognized. You're like, oh, wow, I put that into practice. That was me, you know? And I would say, yeah, that's what I want you to be rewarded for, right? For that. And uh, will we talk about that too? Like, what is the reward? Because inside of that, it sounds like, well, what was the reward for it? The reward for it was actually just the conversation on it. Right. That was it. It went nothing farther than that. It's like, it's it's a P, it's a, it's an ephemeral independence. Right. But that's what you just got from that. I'm, you're not getting a candy because you had good habits. And no, it's the recognition, right? Like, wow, check that out, you know? Yeah. The upgrading of self-knowledge in that, in that particular yeah. case. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we will, we will talk about that. And that's actually then the next main thing. So let's talk about this idea of extrinsic versus, uh, or intrinsic versus extrinsic reward. So, uh, extrinsic typically just refers to something that is, um, external or outside of the person, so to speak, it could be money, recognition, time, you know, to use the example 
that you just mentioned and that we'll talk about in just a second with McIntyre candy. Um, you know, uh, the benefit of these, uh, they, they, they do, they do tend to initially be more motivating. They do. Um, but they do tend to be somewhat self-depleting over time unless they're higher and higher stakes. So more money, more time, more recognition, more dopamine, blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah. that's kind of the, you know, and that's of course the the central thing here that we've discussed is we're all wired that way, right? We're, we're all yeah. wired to, to want the short-term thing rather than the long-term thing. And it, it takes some mental uh, jujitsu sometimes to, uh, to kind of work through that. Yeah. Or wrestling. Wrestling. Yes. That's, that's my, that's my preferred. Uh, I know. Uh, why you use jujitsu? Come on, that's a good point. Yeah, mental wrestling. I like that better. Uh, intrinsic, uh, would be pleasure that is internal to the activity itself, tends to be more self sustaining. Now, again, this is one where, like, initially, you know, again, it depends on the activity and the person, and we're all wired the same but differently. But initially, it doesn't quite give the same, you know, dopamine hit as, you know, hitting the slots or, uh, you know, the sensorium of food or whatever thing we want to use. But it is more self-sustaining over time. Yeah. So a couple of different things we can discuss here. One one I thought was kind of the pleasure biology dopamine <laughs> reward stuff. So um, lots of people who discuss this, but the famous one is uh, Andrew Humerbin, uh, famous neuroscientist from Stanford. Um, and you know, he, he talks very frequently about, um, two interesting things that I thought we could jam on. So one is when there is a disconnect between the effort put in and the dopamine reward, the brain short circuits, so to speak. So, you know, with like cocaine or heroin or meth, where it's just like, oh, the very thing, like you're just getting the dopamine right there without expending any effort to, you know, achieve something or, you know, uh, find a mate or something like that, or, uh, you know, um, something that involves intrinsic effort. Like, I mean, you initially get that rush, but then it, it kind of, it depletes itself over time. Um, and you don't want just like with insulin or blood sugar, you don't want too many dopamine spikes because mm -hmm. then you get this, um, uh, pattern that happens based upon it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then the, the second thing I thought we could discuss, and they're obviously both related, he was talking about, I hadn't heard about this before, I, maybe you've heard of it, James, but they did uh, an experiment with children where they uh, they were doing something intrinsically rewarding, in this case, drawing, uh, and then they took a group of them and they offered them a reward to draw, and mm. initially they were like, oh, a piece of candy, cool, but then mm. over time they actually liked drawing less because it was associated with the reward rather than the sort mm -hmm. of intrinsic uh, element of it. So uh, yeah, I figured we could just kind of pause there, maybe jam on that for a bit. This, this notion of um, reward, dopamine, pleasure, like they're all kind of connected and obviously um, biology uh, in relation to what we're, what we're talking about. So I have any, any thoughts there? Yeah, well, I probably a subset of it is something I've discussed before, um, but it's good that we're going to be able to tie this into the reward area. Um, remember, it, I would always I would always get that question from you. It was it was probably a little bit more in depth on a different topic, but from others, it was uh, the same idea of you know, is it possible, James, that people can like go through 
this reward mechanism, these extrinsic reward mechanisms in CrossFit. Remember, I used to get that and and still and still come out the other side okay. And I would like stop zero at that. Like I couldn't, be, and I couldn't do a good job of explaining. Right? It took me a long while to explain all the embedded behaviors that go with that extrinsic reward mechanism. You know. So what I want, what I maybe want, you know, another view from you, or maybe like a, you know, a different way to look at it is that you you possibly there there are some things you know that you could take from the extrinsic reward mechanism and the pathway right there are some things from it it's not all for not yeah but my but my point is like i would use it with people's behaviors embedded in their you know regimes for exercise if you don't at some point blend the intrinsic concept with that again it just like I, I i just i can't continue i can't i can't go on with any of the conversations or anything that you come up with with what's happening on that extrinsic reward area so are you seeing this is where the parallels are to the the previous story i'd always discuss you know with like oh is it possible that because this is what i was hearing when they'd say that robbie is like is it possible with this extrinsic reward mechanism people can become vital you know, and I'm like, I don't know. How do I, how do I work this one back? You know, no, <laughs> no, but of course, you know, people are like, but maybe, maybe like a little bit. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, there can be little bits we would hope. But my point being is it's the, it's the embedded behaviors that they like, they like stick inside, right? To your point in your speak, you spoke about it biologically, right? It's like, uh, you get a taste of the sugar, you know, it's like, yum, 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 yum. And, and I just called it two things, right? Adrenaline and sugar. When you get a taste of those, man, try, try going low carb. You know, <laughs> that's it. Low oh, carb body, yes. which is bodybuilding. Yeah. It's low resistance and low carb. It's like, whoa, man, I get no adrenaline. I get no sugar. Oh, gosh. Boring. Yeah. So. That's that's what I I, I wanted yeah. to like subset it in regards to how I've indirectly spoken about this language with reward inside of uh, exercise behaviors. Yeah, no, and I, I I think there's a lot of really important stuff in there, and I think this leads us to we've we've talked about this before on uh, briefly on other podcasts, but we haven't fully dealt with it directly. This uh, McIntyre and, and intrinsic versus and extrinsic rewards and the concept of a practice. So uh, for those who may not be familiar, there's a very famous philosopher named uh, Alistair McIntyre, uh, written a number of different books, uh, probably the most famous of which is After Virtue, which in a lot of ways parallels a lot of the things you say, but in the fitness realm, it's, it's kind of like, uh, hey, modernity got it wrong with regard to morality. Let's go back to Aristotle. Um, you know, the James version is modernity got it wrong with fitness. Let's go back to uh, walking and picking up rocks. Um, but I thought I would go through this particular example from his book, and then we, you know, connect this into okay. fitness and in, in that discussion. So consider the example of a highly intelligent seven-year-old child whom I wish to teach to play chess, although the child has no particular desire to learn the game. The child does, however, have a very strong desire for candy and little chance of obtaining it. I therefore tell the child that if the child will play chess with me once a week, 
I will give the child 50 cents worth of candy. Moreover, I tell the child that I will always play in such a way that it will be difficult, but not impossible for the child to win. And that if the child wins, the child will receive an extra 50 cents worth of candy. Thus motivated the child plays and plays to win. Now I bolded this next part because I think it's kind of the relevant part. Notice, however, that so long as the candy, as it is the candy alone, which provides the child with a good reason for playing chess, the child has no reason not to cheat and every reason to cheat, provided he or she can do so successfully. But, so we may hope, there will come a time when the child will finally find in those goods specific to chess in the achievement of a certain highly particular kind of analytical skill, strategic information, and competitive intensity, a new set of reasons. Reasons now not just for winning on a particular occasion, uh, but for trying to excel in whatever way the game of chess demands. Now, if the child cheats, he or she will be defeating not me, but him or herself. There are thus two kinds of good possibly to be gained by playing chess. On the one hand, there are those goods externally and contingently attached to chess playing and to other practices by the accidents of social circumstance. Uh, in the case of the imaginary child, candy, in the case of real adults, such good as prestige, status, and money. There are always alternative ways for achieving such goods, and their achievement is never to be had only by engaging in some particular kind of practice. On the other hand, there are goods internal to the practice of chess, which cannot be had in any way but by playing chess or some other game of that specific kind. We call them internal for two reasons. First, as I've already suggested, because we can only specify them in terms of chess or some other game of that specific kind and by means of examples from such games. Uh, and secondly, because they can only be identified and recognized by the experience of participating in the practice in question. Those who lack the relevant experience are incompetent, thereby as judges of internal goods. So a lot in there, but I think like you were saying, this is this is quite relevant to the um, the fitness case. And I think when I first brought this up, you know, one of your initial points was, well, maybe for a kid, but not for an adult. Do you still pretty much feel yeah. that way? Yeah. And that story just eloquently discusses that. And I'm glad that the the child was picked in that i'm sure it was on purpose yeah right because there's this like developmental navigation process they don't even know what they know they don't even know what you know what they should be perceiving you know they don't they don't yeah so the the yeah as i mentioned before you know status well status for a 13 year old you know i think of my daughters that's that's like hot highest order right? At 13, right? Regardless of what her parents or society or school or her peers or social media tells them, you know, it's, it's just, it's just embedded right now. Of course we do a job at trying to, you know, allow them to figure out, you know, well, what is the importance of status? Is it really that important? What do people gain from it? We talk about stories where people gain status. Is that a positive outcome for them? You know, what was the pathway, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, yeah, I love that for, the, the idea of the younger person was placed inside of there because again, I think you could extract some of the, some of the positive things from the reward outcomes and the learning that's in place, the learning that's in place with that developmental mind to get to that point. Um, but this is where, and maybe I'm, I'm not on the right line of thinking here. This is where it comes down to some challenges with the adults is, is from my experience, Robbie is, trying to reorient 
by going backwards with like seven different behaviors that have been embedded for 15 years to reorient back is very difficult is very is just extremely difficult so to come up with a new reward strategy that is parallel to the seven you know that they learned that is somehow more moral you know i think is the wrong strategy that's why i, I say you know just got to go back to trying to find the intrinsic stuff trying to find and this is where obviously I fall short in my explanation and I know it because I can see the look on people's faces when I say they just got to figure it out, you know, or they just don't want to do it. You know, I just, I just stop there. Right. Meaning uh, it's like, Oh gosh, you know, how do I teach a course on rehabbing the seven methods back of creating intrinsic value in oneself, which, you know, which lands you on my point, right. Do it because you can do it because it's for you. And people are like, so I'm not going to share it with anyone. You see, this is where it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great story. I, 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 I love that story. Yeah, I do too. And I mean, the more I reflect on it and I mean, obviously. It's like a fable. Kids should be, it's like a fable that we should be reading to yeah. 12 year olds. Alistair's fables instead of Aesop's. It's uh, Alistair's so. Um, yeah, I mean, the more I reflect on it and obviously our conversations around, it, I mean, there's obviously a lot we both agree on. I, I do think, um, I certainly think in the, in the case of kids, I mean, it, it can obviously, you know, here's the thing, uh, for anyone at any time, something can kind of go in a not good direction. You know, who, who knows that the candy thing just doesn't lead to the kid doing heroin later. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like we all have different levels sure. of dopamine receptors and, you know, propensity for alcoholism and all these different things. Yeah. Like it can go haywire, but you know, for example, I remember in the summers, uh, my mom would offer to pay me and my brother, uh, what was it like 10 bucks a book or something like that. If we, you know, read certain books and it's like, Oh, okay. You, you know what I mean? And like mm. there, 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 there is, there is something to that. And now I, you know, uh, was that the direct cause of me enjoying reading for reading sake? Probably multiple other aspects to it, but, um, but something like that leading you with a little bit of, uh, uh, extrinsic motivation, um, uh, certainly in childhood, I think, all of us can agree can be can be beneficial towards the higher goods. Yeah, I think in adulthood, um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it tends to get problematic. I, I do think like, you know, we could say something like, well, you know, the long term plan would be getting that 18 year framework in place that you talked about, about, you know, learning proper things for fitness and nutrition. And, yeah. you know, uh, but like, what do we do when someone hasn't had that and you know that that that's our society today so it's like yeah. um you know are there less nefarious ways like oh well, you know let's celebrate oh this person squatted five more pounds are pounds the most important thing in their journey no but you know what i mean yeah. so I, I oh for sure then i think it comes back to maybe a conversation between you and i or the idea on uh the philosophy of reward uh, I guess, intrinsic reward inside of fitness behaviors. And yeah. where do they, where do they, like, you know, I guess the, I, what I'm trying to say is there maybe, maybe the point is to ask the question, why should we give anyone uh, this, I'm just using the word pleasure, maybe I shouldn't, but this reward concept inside of their stuff that they do for fitness, like, wh where does that come from? Why is it whatsoever inside of the fitness practice, you know? 
Yeah. Again, again, that again that falls back quickly to doing it just because you're capable and doing it because it's for you, right? So what's the reward? Well, the reward is is because it's for you. Like it it strengthens you. You know, um, but I won't be perceived differently is like, I don't know. Like, I mean, is that is that why you why you want to do it? You see, like it always gets quaggled into these. Well, what should the reward be? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, that, yeah, basically leads us directly into, you know, one of the central questions about the relation between reward and fitness. And kind of like we asked last time about, like, how did punishment even get into the concept of fitness? How did the notion of extrinsic extrinsic reward get into the notion of fitness and i think it's a similar story from the one we told last time although and many times <laughs> really yeah I mean, different you ways. Know, slightly different you know compared to like uh you know doing burpee penalties and stuff like that yeah. like we talked about last time or uh you know the protestant work ethic or sloth and gluttony being uh cardinal sins but i think you know up until you know, depending on where it wants to put the cutoff line, you know, a hundred plus years ago, this was just something people did and yeah. there wasn't any, but that's not the world anymore. Like we, we don't have to do this and there are multiple, um, very temp, uh, tempting dopamine laden, pleasure laden, reward laden things, whether it's, uh, fast food or, you know, just sitting at home and watching TV or, you know, what have you that pull us in the opposite direction. Um, like all those people that we revere from like hundred to 200 years ago, there's the ones that came up with this stuff. Like they're mm -hmm. the ones who created this chain that we are now at, like they were the ones who wanted to do less work. And now, now here we are. So it's, it's not as if, uh, I, I don't look back at that and think, Oh, that, you know, they were somehow, I mean, maybe in some ways they were somehow more virtuous, but it's like, no, these are the very same humans that wanted to like, you know, it, it's the same thing. We wanted to make progress, have to do less work. And, and now here we are. So there are multiple things pulling in this other direction. And in order to overcome that, in order to get people to eat healthy and be fit, um, it, it, it's not something they naturally need to do anymore. So that's, mm -hmm. that's kind of where we, where we sit. That's, that's where it comes from. That's it. We don't oh. need, yeah, you just said at the end, we don't, we don't need to do it, but so we have to try to figure out ways of coming up with an intrinsic uh you know spark yeah you know an intrinsic spark and that's that's not simple by all means it's not simple to the person it's not simple collectively to a large audience of people it's not simple in 2022 it's not simple no yeah and the, more, the more you know again it's hard to speculate about like what people's thoughts were you know, when we talk 100 to 200 years ago, or even, you know, even long before that, like, it wasn't, I mean, again, this is, this is just speculation, but it's not like the motivation was, oh, this is intrinsically rewarding. You, you needed to do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you, you needed to do it. You needed to eat real whole food because it was hard to bake a cake a thousand years ago. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, and there yeah. wasn't all this temptation. Or even hard to source it. And you, and right, you didn't exactly. have five options. Could I, could I source Dorito or could I source a potato? You know, it's like, yeah, you got nothing. So what are you right. going to source? I don't know. Dogs. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know that. I don't know that. 
I don't even know that like a thousand years ago, or I mean, again, I could be wrong. I'm willing to be challenged on this, but I don't know that it was even intrinsic motivation so much as like, there was no other option. That's what you needed to do. And now we have to pull off this uh, essentially Jedi mind trick where it's like this stuff is so tempting in the other direction and we're trying to get people to be healthy, but there's so much temptation in the other direction. We want to get them to the intrinsic stuff. Can there be room for temporary, short-term, less nefarious, extrinsic stuff to pull in, you know, pull them in a little bit. So. Yeah. It, uh, Yeah, I think the uh, yeah the reward mechanism intrinsic extrinsic, uh, is yeah there's so many connectors to uh, meaning and purpose. Right. I mean, like the deep deep life existential conversation of meaning and purpose of that yeah. because. You know, you just laid it out with regards to modern times and how we see things and the 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 game we need to come up with, you know, it makes us forget that or at least it allows us to ask the question, you know, maybe we have to create struggle. You know, maybe, maybe we have to not only not only create struggle, but recognize that struggle is like is embedded inside of our system. But struggle in in not not struggle as in well let's just create this dramatic shitty lifestyle and then reward ourselves for reversing that you know maybe you got to struggle with regards to your knowledge and struggle physically you see now now we're onto something there where i, I can kind of get on at least that conversation right but uh nowhere in there am i going to be able to um to saddle up with you to have a discussion on creating struggle that uh, that is not fixing, you know, that is not reversing it back to seeing intrinsically, you know, the benefits of, of something. Uh, it's very hard to, for me to saddle up with someone. Yeah, I think, I mean, I mean, I, I certainly agree that that's the end goal. I think most coaches listening to this probably agree that it's the end goal. It's just the question of how do we, um, yeah, how do we get there? Uh, oh that i mean that's the way to get there you gotta you gotta you gotta force people they gotta obey opec's north korea Uh, uh, you gotta believe we can't we can't motivate them with points pleasure and prizes (laughs) no i gotta pause So maybe we can yeah chat a little bit about these different types of rewards uh, within the fitness physical activity realm, um, some examples, and then maybe just think about some ideas um, for how to put this into play. I mean, I think on the basic structure of things, we basically agree. I guess the um, the main thing I keep coming back to is like in most in most traditions, whether it's intellectual or physical or something like that, you know, you think of the, uh, the Shaolin monk or the beginning philosopher, like there's always these little, like, um, you know, whether it's prestige or getting a publication or what have you, there's always these little extrinsic things that get someone going. And then it's through that long-term practice that someone comes to recognize the intrinsic stuff. But but that's the achievement though. Like if we're saying like, we're going to short circuit that and like, Oh, you should recognize the intrinsic from the beginning. Maybe, 
maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I go back and forth on that, but I do. I do think it's a. Well, I know. I know why you pause on it because you quickly take a Rolodex out there of humans and look and see how many people would actually create shifts after getting that intrinsic knowledge right away. I mean, you know, that's why you pause is because realistically, what's the chances of that making an impact whatsoever, as opposed to, I think 90 plus percent of all those people you just quickly thought of in 0.2 seconds would go nihilistic. It's just like, eh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take the time to become educated uh, on that, that area. I think there's also something to it. And like, and this is why I love these discussions. Cause like I, I hadn't thought of this prior, but just as we're discussing it right now, um, you know, we've talked about on previous episodes, how, you know, it's, it's just a matter of scientific fact. Like, you know, if someone has contrary evidence, you know, please send it my way, but we are not in direct voluntary control of our feelings. I, I can't directly voluntarily control my feelings. You, you can't directly voluntarily control your feelings. However, however, there is, you know, this potential third or middle path where while I can't directly voluntarily change my feelings in an instant, sometimes, sometimes through habituation, those feelings can change. It's not a guarantee at the end of the process yeah. Yeah. Uh, that someone will, you know, like opera if they hate it after, you know, a year of going to see the opera. Yeah. But there is, uh, there is a chance. And that's, that's the thing I start to think of when I think of, um, you know, the intrinsic stuff being the, um, within fitness and health being the, the destination or the, you know, the end goal rather than I don't, it, it's, it's hard for me to see it as the, uh, process oriented. Yeah. It's hard yeah. for me to see it as a starting point, even though it would be nice yeah. if it could be so. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it's the, what you just talked about there in different words is what I, uh, what I would call the, uh, rewarding the awareness or rewarding the thoughts you know i also thought about you know some of the the uh strengths that are inside of making people recognize uh seeing their thoughts or or just seeing the 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 thing the voice right and just and just not judging it call it what you want right you know buddhism meditation western you know whatever transcendental whatever it doesn't just call it that of like being aware of your thoughts and then, and just like observing, right. Observing it and being aware. And, and that's the point is that I I would love to uh, get enough people really excited about uh, a reward that, that they don't, they, they, the only reward they get is the observation of that, which is awareness. But again, to your point, how much will that move the needle? Uh, realistically not a lot not a lot here's another thing i'm thinking of just as you say that again that like yeah this is so helpful um uh is there value and the initial extrinsic stuff not insofar as it's what's motivating but it helps people eventually recognize how not motivating it is do you know what i mean like uh yeah 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 it's the same thing i think of what i said earlier with reward the pacer right but the question can be asked well you know so you're saying that in that action you know to get to two years (laughs) of them being like wow you know that's really yeah there's there's a whole bunch of extrinsic things connected to that you know but by the time they get there i.e you know two years they're like aha consistency 
And now you're rewarding that actual process. But in order to get there, yeah, it takes a lot of those extrinsic reward mechanisms. You know, it's like it's like a continuum of them, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, candy, yeah, no problem, candy, yeah, 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 uh, uh, banana candy, yeah, 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 banana chips, yeah, yeah, banana, yeah, yeah. You know, saying grow your own banana. See, like it's like the continuum of <laughs> Swedish fist to salmon. <laughs> It's much better. <laughs> you would have been, you would have got top rewards, rewards for that, Robbie, um, if you had named a, an actual Swedish fish. I have no idea. What I know, but you would have like blown yeah. everyone's mind if you had done that. My, my tri trivia trove is not quite that uh, deep, but uh, I'll have to look it up after the uh episode but yeah no, no but that's I, good for us to think about swedish fish the swedish fish yeah it's a it's a continuum right and um but again my point will be uh you know it just because that exists the continuum um like i say it's just so it's so exhausting to move people back on those steps yeah that's, no, why, I, that's why i'm just like so i want to slap them with the swedish fish the real yeah. swedish fish can you hear the sound of one hand clapping, James? So that's cone. Um, yeah, no, but I, yeah, I, thinking about that, I hadn't thought about that previously. Not thinking of the extrinsic stuff necessarily as motivation to get someone into it, but almost uh, not necessarily nefariously, but as reverse psychology, like, oh, give them the extrinsic motivation and then they will come to eventually see the emptiness of it yes. on their journey towards the intrinsic so it's a, you know it's almost a cipher. It's almost a it's yeah. it's almost an implant in there that's like oh, no yeah. you'll see you'll see oh, you'll get sure. it. Yeah. Well, I see I see uh, you guys you know uh, over there participating in that because I think you and Brandon know more than than a lot, but you you're still inside of that what I would just call the system. So it's it's obvious that you guys participate in that too. You're like. We just know a lot of our people will get there, <laughs> you know, you know, you're probably having a lot of those conversations now, you know, after a couple of years, let's say of, you know, having the quote unquote reward the pacer concept or OPEXology, you know, chats is like, you know, isn't that, but isn't that funny, you know, that we used to do those things, you know, you're have, probably having that conversation with oh, we me, do, yeah. right? but you were like, listen, I knew this years ago, but Hey, you know, it's, you know, it's part of the process. We come up with these things. We just want to move you forward. But we know, we know that down the road, you're going to be like, ah, ah, ah. And you're like, yeah, see, <laughs> see. Yeah. So I agree with you. That does happen. Yeah. Um, and again, this may come back to the point. This is where the coach can still have some life, you know, um, inside of it is the coach has to be aware of this, right? See, the coach has to know that this is the Jedi mind trick stuff that you're doing. Do you see that? Because if they don't know that, they will get exhausted. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that I can totally yeah, agree So with. the coach has to be patient, right? The coach has to be, you know, the coach has to be, has to take on, whether they like it or not, the burdens, the burden of the sage role. Right? you know where you're where you're talking in in those terms of young grasshopper you two will want you know you will you will get there but you're not letting them go you know yeah you're you're letting them find their way and uh yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. And that, yeah, that makes me think of a, a couple different things. One is um, this notion of, you know, very often, I think for most of us, we don't come to recognize the truth of something when someone tells it to us, like straight in the face, it's through our own experience, right? So that's yeah. that, that journey and that thing. And then I, I have to send this to you. I, I thought this would be a great topic for another podcast, but it's also relevant to hear um, both to the coach's stage role and to the uh, client recognizing some of these intrinsic rewards. There's a, a new review on the uh, Notre Dame Philosophical Reviews about how closely linked uh, autonomy is to knowledge. Like usually when we think of knowledge, we think, oh, justified true belief, but we don't necessarily link autonomy in there. And the guy is essentially making the argument that something like a Neuralink can't deliver. It's not real knowledge because it's not autonomy from the um, the agent. So mm. we can talk about that on another podcast. But how does that link back here? I think it links back here in the sense of this notion of, um, you know, Brandon and I could go in and, you know, have a sit down with all 100 plus clients we have right now and be like, hey, you realize what you're doing is like, you know, for some of you, it's silly right now. Like you could do that. Um, you know, maybe a few of them would get it, but there's, there's something about that notion of like the journey recognizing in the inherent em emptiness of the extrinsic rewards, looking back at those funny CrossFit workouts and being like, oh yeah, we used to do that. And that transition and that process that sometimes just, you know, takes time. Yeah. It takes, takes self-realization from the, from the agent themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating. Um, I immediately thought of all the complications people will get into or getting stuck in their mind uh, with that idea, if that comes to fruition, right? Especially technologically or materially that comes to fruition, you know, you know, all the minds that will get jammed on that when, when they, when they recognize, I, I just immediately thought about the minds that would get jammed on the idea when they would recognize uh, there's no designer of the orchestra. that you know because that that's where that's where i went i'm not sure if you went but i'm sure a lot of people think but just just a second now so in that in that what you're saying is that i can't create this you know form of knowledge if it's not connected to this and technologically i can measure it and it's gonna information information for that autonomy you know thing has to come from the agent when immediately you said that i was like so what happens if we do discover that, that that has to be derived from the agent, right? It's deeper than the nature nurture conversation. It's deeper yep. than that. It's like, a, it's a design designer conversation. That's where, that's where it'll, uh, that's where I went me immediately for that. So yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's a, that's a very probably a mind tangent. I, I, I kind of took, took me off track from what, what the point is you were trying to make there, but. No, I, I think that's, I think that's still relevant, actually, just even thinking about that a bit more, like, you know, even assume the world could be like a, you know, matrix type thing where, you know, Trinity gets the helicopter blueprints downloaded into her uh, brain, and then she learns to uh, fly it, and the Neuralink stuff. But there is, there is something about, you know, these, um, maybe information could be transferred, but these deeper aspects of like self-knowledge and where awareness and meaning and purpose, uh, intrinsic rewards. I feel like those aren't the types of things that can be, um, you know, gleaned from a book or what what have you. They're they're things that have to be come to through a through a particular process. Yeah, yeah. That's not going to stop Elon from trying, though. No. So. Yeah, and uh, yeah, 
and and for good reason, you know, because I think I've said this before, but I think there's a lot of there's so many positives inside of that. It's you know, it's it's like any context of any topic, nuclear energy, you know, um, et cetera, where you you got to weigh out you know the positives and negatives for what's inside of each of them, and that that concept for as we've said before, brain disease or aging populations or cognitive dysfunction. You know, I think there's a lot of positives inside of that concept of what uh, Neuralink is proposing that could be extremely helpful that I'm not sure if it outweighs yeah. some of the nefarious stuff or things that we're claiming it's going to give. But yeah, I think that's that's possible. If you send him a thousand Dogecoin, you will reach Zen Enlightenment. <laughs> Download the well, yeah. Well, you just mentioned it that because I think of the the tremendous amount of improvements in technology in that very uh, thing that could really wipe out the concept of physical disability, right? Like that's a that's a heavy that's heavy, right? Yeah. Think about that. So if you think about that and wiping that out um and the reformation now of like generations right just think about that you know simple terms um a rehabilitated adult who was disabled for 25 years right then has children you know it's just it's just see the like i don't know it's just like it's a, like a reformation of an entire it's like you're breaking code right you're breaking that design that designer code yeah. I, so I just think I think big like that on the not sorry big, but uh, I think of all the positive aspects of of wiping those things out with uh, with that area. No, that's definitely true. That's yeah. Definitely true. Sorry, you got me stuck down there on that. Oh time. no, you're okay. Yeah. Um, what do you think about jamming a little bit on the you know the practical side of things in terms of you know either the coach or the collective in terms of what what sort of things do you think we can do from a practical perspective to help people recognize the intrinsic value of health and fitness and uh you know how how can a how can a coach practically you know instill these things or try to instill these things again with kind of a gradual stepwise model when we've recognized that like the slap across the face yeah i think uh, a coach having that template of uh laying out that relationship between them and the client uh from the get-go may be helpful because then it doesn't uh you know, remember the, the the mastery layout that I would have, right? You're moving from blind to novice to, you know, being and companying and embodying and, you know, et cetera. I think that if that relationship idea was laid out from a coach right from the get-go, because um, remember inside of that, it also says, listen, I'm a coach, but I don't know everything, you know? And I think right from the outset, that's that's key for the client listening in going, oh, okay, so that means you're learning too. So you're already role modeling something like, oh, I mean, if I if I just had the answers, like James, you may have heard this guy, James, he thinks he does. Like if I just had the answers, we would just do it and everyone would just do it, right? Right? They're like, yeah, yeah, why does everyone just do it? <laughs> he just says, move daily, eat real food, learn and adapt. Oh, you know. Um, so, and, and then secondly, so speak with that process. And then secondly, talk about all the things that, that, if we were going to use this terminology inside of there, all the things that we we should use inside for the concept of reward. And maybe here on an individual level, you may have to go back and ask about what I call the historical fitness conversation, historical fitness perception conversation of like, well, 
you know, tell me a little bit about what fitness means to you. How, how did that idea come to be? What, you know, like Robbie, uh, I'm just connecting some dots there for you, right? Uh, wrestling, the mind, you know, uh, mind body problems, you know, physical expression, lifting weights, you know, uh, that's, is that probably your connection? You know, I'm, I'm going down that route. Right. And Robbie's like, yeah, you know, that's, that's my connector right there. That's I connect on all these things like, okay, great. So you got to go, you got to do that with a client. Right. And the reason why you need to do that is because you need to figure out a couple of things, how much rewiring, right. Do you need to do? And then you can kind of lay out a plan because, because some people honestly may have like with, even without your knowledge as a coach, you will have this intuition that says, man, this is going to be, this is going to take a lot to like rewire, <laughs> rewire all these things, you know, but Hey, I'm just want to say it out loud and let's just be patient with it. There you go. Hashtag reward the pacer, right? We're going to reward your pace of learning. We're going to reward your pace of awareness, right? Over time. Um, and then I think you could probably implant that word. What will be, you know, because I'm sure they'll say, well, what's my reward, you know, for coming back on Wednesday, you know, and and you could say on the on the other side now of that conversation of laying out the relationship, talking about what formed their ideas and perceptions of fitness. I think you can say things like, um, you know, you get this piece of jerky <laughs> for, <laughs> for the supplement packet, <laughs> the supplement chocolate packet. salt. Yeah. Have your hot cocoa in the winter. Were you talking about elements, chocolate salt? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I just had that hot last week. That's a game changer. I really like that. Anyways. Uh yeah. So it's that, you know. And and it's then it's still saying, you do know that this is like uh like it like a thing that I'm just putting in place there as an intrinsic reward full well knowing that it, it's it's not it's not the real reason why you need to do all this are you aware of that and then they may be like uh, i'm not there it's like i oh, forget it. we'll we'll come back and we'll revisit it it's not important right now do you know what i mean because some people yeah. will not be able to get that even like a glimmer of it right from the get-go but yeah even even putting it out there and being honest about it up front and yeah. oh for sure for sure right like I, this is the way i you can think of it you know, as a story, it looking like this, right? Fictionally looking like this. Uh, me saying to that person on the other side, after I've gone through that conversation, have you ever thought about why we should do exercise? You know, I, I just plant it. You know, I plant that. And then, and then I can see either from their contemplation or their immediate answer or whatever, you know, I can tell, are they a thinker about it? Are they, you know, is that in their daily practice to like contemplate on that notion? You know, I may see that they're like, uh, oh yeah, you know, I, I'm starting to get the pieces of recognition that I was doing this not for all the right reasons. Right. But they're not coming up with what is the right reason, you know, yeah. what I call the right, you know what I'm saying? So I do, you do want to, uh, yeah, you do want to implant that. You want to like send it across the table and nothing may happen, but you do want to send it across the table. And then it germinates into madness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's nihilism. 
<laughs> like, what did you do to me? <laughs> James, there was a whole movie, Inception, dedicated to, like, you had to do four levels of this stuff just to get someone to believe for themselves one uh -huh. thing. Uh-huh. Where's the fitness version of that? You know, how, I, how, how many layers? I said it's seven, right? I, I There's, like, seven rewires, and that's why I... Uh, I... Yeah, I don't reflect enough on the patience that I had to take the time to rewire people through that. But as a coach, coaching coaches now, that's why I'm just adamant for for the for just the time I don't have. I'm just adamant to be like, listen, you both got to believe. If you start with that, then then you can kind of put the pieces together over time. But if you don't believe, I'm not sure. I'm not sure anything that you're going to come up with is going to be helpful. Yeah, I can see that. And I mean, you mentioning rewiring got, got me thinking of something else that I hadn't thought of previously, you know, the connection maybe between how much rewiring is required and what kind of kinds of rewards may be necessary to do the trick. Like we were discussing the other day, um, you know, there's the obvious BLGs that are necessary for everyone, you know, sunshine and, half your body weight in ounces of water and real whole food and sleep and, you know, mm -hmm. but what will be necessary for someone to achieve maybe uh, their health goals at 21, implementing those BLGs versus someone at 56, you yeah. know, uh, the BLGs are uh, necessary, but perhaps not sufficient, or it needs to be, you know, BLG plus plus because this person's a shift worker because, you know, their hormones are in the tank or what have you. So I, I, I was thinking, you know, as you were saying the rewiring thing, it made me think of, um, you know, as the brain gets more and more entrenched and, you know, this 55 year old comes in who's had all these habits entrenched and has never eaten real whole food are the, the, are the nature of the uh, rewards or things you might put in place to help someone to recognize the intrinsic value of fitness different than you would do for a, you know, a 21 year old who, you know, that, that type thing. Yeah, for sure. And it was just based upon glad you chose the ages. It's based upon what we could use as a uh, a baseline understanding of most humans and the size of their brain and the capabilities of their brain at 21 versus 55. That's that's what I would use as the base support in in recognizing the difference between those two. So for the 21 year old, yeah, you you know, you could you could make the step and the leap to say they're probably they're probably thinking that they know more than they actually do know, which is a good thing, right? That's because that's for survival and self perception and like getting out into the environment. Basic concepts of like being fully, almost fully organized now, right? For reproductive purposes, top of their game. What I call peaking. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a different line of action there because in most cases they're going to think they know more than they actually know. Right. So your your proposal for, you know, getting into the to the weeds of the intrinsic behaviors, it, yeah, it's definitely going to be different. Whereas you probably have some organized <laughs> depreciating <laughs> happening on the 55 year old, right? Uh and but also maturity. Yeah. Right. So along with deeply embedded wiring is also that one thing though, that's their strength of resisting entropy that I talk about all the time. It's this emotional, spiritual, deeper level of this maturity that sometimes can overwhelm that that uh, embedded shit. Like the, you can teach an old dog new tricks when it comes to thought, 
and in emotion and cognition, you know, um, and that's why I love the 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 conversation on plas brain plasticity, neuroplasticity, or you know, changes right. physical ramifications of that uh, based support of the systems that actually can make that change. That can the biology change based upon you know, et cetera. I love that. So yeah, I would treat them differently based upon just a uh, let's call it a a template model of brain development. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with this, but for those who are interested, I mean, there are a bunch of different books on it, but uh, Norman Doidge, The Brain That Changes Itself is yeah. the best. Uh, yeah, we're right around here somewhere. And uh, yeah, he investigates, like he, there's- Brain remember, Rules, I, another good one. Brain Rules. Okay. Yep. Um, but yeah, just the the ability of the mind and the brain to uh, to change even at a later age after a, a stroke or phantom limb syndrome. Fascinating. Super super fascinating, fascinating. stuff. But it but it takes. I mean, it it takes lots and lots and lots Reps. of reps. Yeah, um, which, which does tie in the talent code, right? Daniel Coyle's coin or coins book. You know, of those low intense, constant reps. Right. With yeah. Precision. And this is the this is the key point. Awareness. You can't you can't do, do you know, what I'm saying so Norman and the client in the room with the stroke, both of them are right, super keenly aware of what's going on in this practice. Right. Like really, really listening, really together on it. Yeah. But here's 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 an here's an interesting point from that that I that I am I'm, I'm now thinking of as we're discussing this that I think is is relevant to our discussion. Mm. Norman's there aware of that, and the stroke patient's aware of it. There's a reason why in the stroke patient's case they put the oven mitt on the other hand mm. to block it off so that they can't use it. Mm -hmm. The person who's the stroke patient knows that they shouldn't use it, mm -hmm. but if you don't put the thing on, they're going to yeah. try to use it. Yeah. But so I, I, I think there's something there. I think, you know, it, yeah. and it goes back to this notion of like, well, how much and should we, and, you know, extrinsic reward and punishment and all that stuff in fitness. But I, I, there's a little bit of something to that. I think there's, well, there something is, it's the same thing. So I'm glad you, you, you're reiterating that point. It's still, it's still the same principles in my mind because you spoke of, you said they know, right. You see, there's an awareness already. So yeah, if, if they know, and then there's extrinsic, you know, we really should, anyways, the people don't need to know about the the glove and the stroke that they said, but you know, you're still getting the point across that the, the, the concept of whatever we're calling it, the awareness is there, then yes, by all means, you can come up with these different forms of extrinsic reward strategies if you both know, right. now, if you both know. Yeah, now, I, and again, you raise another separate point, which is good. What happens if they don't have the development of knowing, which is, you know, well, I don't know. I get excited about that, right? I'm like a 17-year-old, right? That has a couple of bad embedded behaviors. You know, are how much real extrinsic involvement stuff are you going to involve? Probably a bunch. A bunch. Why? That's their reality because they don't have the capability in percentages of knowing it's like 33%, <laughs> you know? So I'm still going to throw a little bit across, but yeah. 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 You're doing it for your friends. Yeah. yeah Post-workout yeah. shakes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they're looking at you like, I can sense there's more coming soon. And you're like, yes, there is, but go on, you know, right. Enjoy and it. That's, 
Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think for a lot of this stuff, enjoy it. See that, right. Reward. Right. Reward. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's the journey. I, you know, the point I was making there with the stroke thing that I, I think we're basically on the same page about is their knowledge of them not needing or them that they should not be using the, uh, uh, the good arm, so to speak, mm-hmm. to, to use the arm that's been affected by the stroke is not sufficient for them to act in that way without something external temporarily on the journey to get them there temporarily. Yes. yes. Temporarily. So, yeah. So you um, can pick apart all those words, right? That are principles, right? Yeah. The, 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 the temporary, well, what is that? That means the patient, like observing yeah. actions, right. Of awareness is like, Okay, I know. Hey, I know this is happening, but you know, it's like, and you keep doing it, right? You keep doing it, and you be consistent, and uh, you keep learning, right? But you keep having to come back, like it's like intellectually, like you know, I shouldn't be doing this, and then like you try, and it's like, no, 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 eight hours a day, we're gonna keep doing the other thing, like so. It takes that repetition. Oh, now, now I get. Yeah. So the reward is the struggle mentally. Pain is pleasure. That's it. Pleasure that is, is it. The reward is the mental struggle, uh, and the and and it's the awareness of that that makes it so challenging. And there you go. You should be rewarded for that struggle of that mental play. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Um. The only other thing I thought I would mention here, uh, just as we were discussing it, man, yeah, this this one's led to a lot of realizations today that I, I hadn't had previous to just discussing it. Um, like I said, last time we discussed, um, you know, the Protestant work ethic and the notion of different vices or sins and it, d- different things that led to this notion of punishment within fitness. And today we talked about reward uh, and we were talking about um you know, how we don't need to do it anymore and, you know, um, culture and things like that. I think another thing that's probably relevant is this, is the notion of uh, business, you know, business uh, and, and and marketing, like fitness wasn't a business Yeah. Uh, until very recently. And the whole notion behind advertising is, you know, extrinsic reward and, you know, get this and get that and the other thing, but just in thinking of the etiology of, you know, where the notion of reward within fitness comes from, it's, you know, I think part of it is, is going to be the fact that fitness is so closely tied with, with business these days. My gosh. Yeah. Um, Are you thinking on the terms of like the, what's inside of behavior economics to like move the needle for people to participate in exercise and the business that's wrapped around it? Like the, like it is a business, therefore we have to get people to be excited about rewards inside of fitness participation? Something, well, in, in the sense, more in the sense of like the very nature of, you know, marketing, which we've discussed before and kind of how it can lead people astray is like to, to hit people with extrinsic rewards and be like, Oh, do this oh, because yeah. prestige, yeah. do this because yeah, money, yeah. do this status. because status, you know, so like, status. Exactly. So, yeah. the, you know, the fact that fitness as it exists today for the most part is a business and gyms are, you know, um trying to sell their wares um i think the notion of reward within fitness um typically one of status or points or finding a mate or what have you has been accelerated 
you know, obviously by digital media and what have you, but also I think the notion of business, which is not a very new thing on the fitness scene, the notion that fitness and health would be a, a business. Yeah. Well, I, I, there's some people that with good intentions get a lot of great feelings out of the improvement in wealth uh, inside of fitness, right? So fitness is just the medium of how they're gaining wealth, right? And um, there's a lot of well-intentioned people who do that, right? They just see fitness business as the way of wealth, you know, gaining wealth. And inside of that, if you're not connecting to the dots, the the fitness practice and the fitness business, what comes from that, i.e. the relationships, you know, the the pluses and minuses of income, et cetera, the reward is what? The reward is money, capital, you know, uh, food on the table, buy a nice car, buy a cabin in the woods, et cetera, et cetera, or buy books. I don't know, but I mean, the that's the reward of it. And for some, it's just the, the actual, you know, numbers in the Excel sheet in the bank, right? And they don't even sometimes, ironically, they don't even do anything with it. It's just getting to that point was the whole process of it because they wanted to be rewarded for the fitness business practice, right? So inside of that also, there's probably a, a, a darker side to it of people forgetting that it's, uh, you know, what, you know, it's, it's going to be really difficult over time to keep coming up with new rewards, uh, new rewards for people based upon their participation inside of that fitness business. And, um, I'm not sure if you have any near and dear to your heart or some, you know, stories that, that you could share based upon that, but you're going to get into a lot of issues when the marketing of constant new concepts of rewards for people. Um, you know, I'm just thinking of 12 weeks things and six week things. And, you know, it's, it's all this reward mechanism process along with the individual, you know, if you're especially standing on that as a base sport, the individual thing that you hopefully your business doesn't believe in of like your status and how you're perceived by others is is definitely why you need to be inside this fitness business. You know, if you're in here, we're going to improve your status, right? Because, you know, if you look better, you're going to raise your status, you know, and et cetera. And, and perception is really important, you know, Um so that that's where it could get challenging. Yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, what are the rewards of resisting entropy or the the immediately obvious extrinsic? I mean, there are obviously intrinsic rewards that, you know, we've talked about, but you're right at a certain point, it kind of uh, it peters out in terms of this notion of like a business having to keep coming up with like certain extrinsic rewards of, oh, points and a PR and like, well, what happens when you don't PR anymore? And, you know, you're just... Uh, resisting entropy yeah when you lay down the yeah when you lay down the i get it's it's similar to the you know the the more difficult individual um would be the 20 the 21 year old right the 22 year old that's that's very difficult because there's so many so many things coming at them with an unorganized immature brain right now i'll just you know meaning it's not fully formed etc inside of the society where you know it just it's 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 inside of it, right? Where perception and others' perception of them could be very important, whether we like it or not. Um, the landscape of their environment, the digital landscape, um, you know, all those things. That's that makes the idea of of uh, you know setting up rewards quite difficult, 
I find that group really challenging for that in the, in the, in today, you know, people born year 2000, right. It's like, gosh, that's a, that must be really difficult to, uh, yeah. As opposed to, you know, gen X, right. Right. You're like, yeah, I just, just stupid. It's like, Oh yeah, that's stupid. You know, <laughs> and then you can possibly help on the rewiring, you know, I wonder if we'll reach a dopamine tip, tipping point. I wonder if we'll just like, I wonder if like biologically mm. there's a point where like, then, you know, maybe the next generation or the generation after is like a pox on all, you know, whatever TikTok is or whatever the equivalent is 20 years from now. It's like the, the mechanisms have just become so uh, burnt out that they're like, you know, back to nature, or, you know, back to whatever. Uh, Gosh, I think uh, it's just because I'm finishing up reading uh, an individual's perspective on that in the book post journalism, but in that in that lane, yeah, I think um, what he talks about for media and media exposure to information um, and the change right from the paper to uh, digital platforms and what the new quote unquote the newspaper is today, right? The newspaper from you know let's say 1920 to 2020. You know, mm -hmm. um, just think about that and then think about all the ad revenue based stuff, which was what they called top down organizing, right? Where it's like news and facts helped by ads and, and then pushed out where now it's like reader generated subscriptions. Uh, they call it donation subscription or he calls it donscription, right? And that's what post journalism is, the concept of it, where it's sensor it's it's sensationalism and vitriol and dissemination that allows the information to be shared now think of that uh, as i just told you like what the newspaper used to be right think of all the difference in that yeah so my whole point there of yeah people have reached what he called and you hear it inside the twitterati today right exhaustion yeah, and I think that's what you're just getting at there. That I think in different systems out there, we are reaching an reaching an exhaustion point on certain things. Yeah. And it, the the media overload and the information overload is one of those. What we come up with, you know, and what happens next, I think that's a. Although you probably just asked it asked it slightly, I'm really interested in that. Like, what's the other side of that? You, I think you said go back to nature or like, would it just flow back to natural, you know? Yeah. Whatever. I mean, there's a famous thing within the, so the philosopher who I did my dissertation on is named uh, Kant and, or I mean, you and I have talked about it, but just for general audiences. And there's, there's a famous movement after, uh, you know, so Kant is writing in like, uh, so he's, he's born 1724. I think he lives till 1804. And then like in the 19th century, there's all these people who like misinterpret, or people who they say misinterpret him. And there's this whole movement that says, Zeruk su Kant, back to Kant. And it just made me think of this notion of like, uh, with relation to this of, you know, like uh, we've reached our dopamine tipping point and back to whatever the back to is, I'm not sure, walking and lifting rocks, BLGs, what, what, what have you. Um, but just this notion of like, um, pushing back in the other direction and connecting to what we were talking about earlier about how sometimes someone themselves experiencing 
how depleting extrinsic rewards can be can then lead to the realization like, Hey, we've, we've got a rye. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that opens up a whole bunch of things for me to think about for, um, these, uh, you know, higher order principles of what I've just been listening to, um, a podcast that was dedicated to a chapter inside of the book, uh, discriminations and disparities by Thomas Sowell and um, the ordering and sorting of individuals and uh, you know, of course, economy locked inside of that. And uh, you know, soul has laid out the, like these two base support ideas that you could think about for the tragic vision versus the utopian vision. And that's what, where you just made me like go off into a whole separate category of, um with regards to fitness and reward and, and behaviors and what you know what i would call back to basics you know um that is that's the that's the quote unquote you know tragic approach not the utopian approach it's the tragic approach right like we got we got a bunch of flaws you know we got a lot of shit to work out you know life is hard and we got to kind of reorient this with the basic things that we know to be true you know, and that's a vision. That's what Thomas Sowell would call a tragic vision, whereas the utopian one would be the opposite of that. And I think that's that's where anyways, I benefited from this uh, to make me realize that's the that's what what the concept that I propose. Right. Of the basics. That's what I'm up against. I'm up against a very, uh, very catchy, sometimes sensational, but also positively progressive concept right for for dealing with reality um inside of fitness and behaviors and rewards and you know etc well people may be turning your direction soon enough james i mean now that now that liver king has been dethroned i think the veil has just fallen for everyone yeah you just see the picture go down and i'm standing really with a couple of adrenals in my hand liver king's head and freedom do you see that fitness is tragedy now <laughs> there you go you got it oh man that was a good one i, I like come that. up with the swedish fish but uh, you got you got it there that was great uh any uh final thoughts or reflections on uh... gosh no um you know where it's it's kind of like i um i'm kind of i'm stumped because i have so many things to kind of think about which is great. That that it, it's a great it's a great feeling because I love you know deep down I love making sense of things, and it makes me smile when I make sense of things, um, for myself right. Um, but now, I I can't make sense of a lot of things, which is good. So now it's a struggle to make sense of things. If that makes sense, so <laughs> that's what philosophy does. We just we yeah. we send. The- you send the seed over the germination drive to madness. Yeah, no, but I, I, I totally. That's how agree. I benefited here. There's lots of things to think about. So. Yeah, I, uh, there were definitely. I mean, every time we talk, I get lots of realizations. But yeah, today especially, there was just multiple realizations that came out as we were discussing things. So lots of stuff to lots of stuff to ponder. Super. Well, uh, let's cap it by um, having a cheers. Uh, we'll drink a uh, uh, element. Uh, chocolate salt heated uh hashtag stay salty yeah um in everclear for 50 yep 
in Everclear. Basically. <laughs> For episode 50, uh throw one throw one over your shoulder and uh <laughs> throw throw salt element salt over your shoulder. Oh, yeah, see. <laughs> Very new age of us. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congrats to you and uh yeah, I'm uh it's been a awesome journey thus far and I'm looking forward to the future. Likewise.